right, good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? You ready to get into the Word? All right, we got something good today. All right, um, I'm excited. So, we're going to be starting in Philippians today, and that's going to set the stage for um, our passage today. Um, so, the, the, uh, it's Philippians, we're going to start in Philippians 1. If you were to get a letter from Paul the Apostle, there's, there's lots of them to get, and some of them I think are easier to get than others. If you read the epistles, a lot of them, man, just erring sin and correction, and then you remember, man, a lot of these people are actually illiterate that are getting them, so they're read aloud, and it's difficult, right? Uh, you read 1 Corinthians, we've gone through that recently. Um, there is difficult stuff in the epistles to swallow, right, if you're the one receiving that letter. But if I was to receive one letter if, from Paul, um, I think the one that I would want to receive is the book of Philippians. And the reason for that is because this is like Paul's model church. They're doing everything right. Everything. There's so much encouragement. There's so much testimony to how their good works have impacted the gospel. And so I'd encourage you um, to read it with that lens, knowing that that that's how Paul is seeing this church. Um, In Philippians, Paul praises this church for what they've done and continue to do as an example to the world and to the rest of the churches. So uh, the first example of that, um, Philippians 1, 3 to 6, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your, your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, from day one, you helped me. You, you did everything that I needed, um, and I'm praying for you that, that you would have what you need and you would grow um, because you've been a partner with me, right? He goes on in, in chapter 2. Chapter 2, this is uh, verse 12 and 13. Sorry, a little bit of flipping, but when we get to First Peter, it'll be okay. Uh, this is chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, right, that's a, that's a pretty bold thing to say, an amazing thing to hear, a great encouragement. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure, right? So he's saying to this church, you have done it all. Stay faithful. God is going to keep you faithful. Um, you are doing the right thing. What an encouraging thing to hear. Like if you're getting this letter and you don't get letters from Paul very often. He came to preach and he was with you for a couple of years and then he's gone. And then to get a letter a couple of years later, hey, I've heard of your testimonies. You're doing everything right. That's so encouraging to hear, Right? His prayer, okay, so now we're going to just flip back a little bit to chapter one. Okay, so we're doing pretty good. Like we're, we're a good church, we're obeying the Lord, we're following Jesus' commands, we're practically following that up with generosity um, and caring for the ministry of the gospel and the mission going forth. Um, Paul makes his goal for this church very clear, okay? And this is in um, chapter one, starting in verse eight. God is my witness 
how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ Jesus, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So his goal here is that they would grow, they would maintain this purity that's within their church. And his goal and what he's praying for is that they would be able to see that faithfulness through until the end, until they meet Jesus face to face. So that way Paul can say, this is my ministry, the Philippian church, and I'm presenting them to you, Lord, as an offering. I hope it is pleasing to you, right? That's his goal. Everybody tracking so far? Okay. After all of this encouragement and Paul making his goal very clear in three chapters, there's an offshoot here in the story, and this is in chapter four. And this is the story of, uh, or reference a part of a story of two ladies, uh, Aodia, maybe, don't know how to pronounce it, (laughs) and Cintiq. And this is in chapter four, verses two and three. I implore Aodia and I implore Cintiq to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with comment also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So there's such a, a small amount of information there in verse two, but it, it references something that Paul is seeing as a red flag Okay, so this is his perfect model church, right? That they're doing everything right. There's so much encouragement in this letter. And then he takes the time. He's heard about something happening with these two ladies and there's a disagreement. And he takes time in his letter, right? This paper that they're writing on is expensive, right? There's only so much space here. And he takes time in this letter just to tell two ladies, man, we really need you guys to agree, we really need you guys to agree, okay? And then he calls on two other people to help them find unity, okay? And so this is kind of the stage that we're gonna set before we get into First Peter. Um, this church, it's a great and healthy, generous, faithful, spirit-filled church, but the early signs and red flags of division can certainly corrupt it, and Paul wants to hit that when it's a small thing before it becomes a big thing. Paul is addressing and alluding to a truth about the entirety of God's plan. Uh, With human understanding, small elements of division aren't a big deal, right? And so like, you like blue and I like green, not a big deal, right? Um, You like fish and I like steak, it's not a big deal, disagreements. But those small disagreements when it comes to God's kingdom and the church and how we should be advancing it, they're a big deal, to God, right? Does that make sense? God has this plan for the whole story and history of the earth and humankind. And we're a piece of that, right? And so what Paul is addressing here is, hey, we need to, we need to hit that thing real quick between you two before we move on. Um, so that way the goal can be accomplished. The goal is that the whole church would be presented to God as an offering and it would be pure, undefiled, and it would have unity, 
So what we're going to do today, we're going to lay a foundation um, for how God looks at history and God's entire plan um, for all of us, right? We're not an island that's fulfilling God's purpose for our individual life. We're a part of a bigger scope, the, God's narrative for all of history. God has a plan, and then we fill a piece of it. So now you can head over, if you're following along, to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm not normally an illustrations guy. It's not my thing, but uh, this was too good, so we're, we'll, uh, we're going to get into it. All right. So 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 4. Actually, I'll back up to, to verse 1. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow, thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Verse 4. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So we've got this, this process that God seems to be doing. It looks like he's got this plan in this passage, right? And so it starts like this. This is you and I. It's just dirt and God's looking at us and he's wanting to build something throughout history, but this is not good to build with. It's broken, it's, it's not strong, it's not sturdy, right? Just like the parable, uh, don't build your house on the sand, right? You can't build anything on that. If I built something on this and not on concrete, not on stone, it's going to crumble. And God's looking at that saying, that's not how I want to build my house. So what does he do? God takes a cornerstone. Here, Paul, can you catch this? No. <laughs> All right. God takes a cornerstone, right? He sends Jesus. And Jesus lives the perfect life we couldn't live. And then he sets the example for how we are to live. And he commands us to live um, in a way that honors him and glorifies him. And so what God does is says, I'm going to build my house by laying the cornerstone, right? The corner of the foundation and everything will be built off of him, right? If he, if he puts this on dirt, it's gonna be uneven. This is what we're basing God's plan for all of history off of. 
a cornerstone, right? We track him this far? So then, this is amazing, what God does is he takes this dirt and he turns you and I into something useful, right? And then he joins us with Christ, right? And I feel like this part we, we get, right? Like me and Jesus, if, if, if me and Jesus are good, I am going in the right direction. I'm headed on the right path, right? Um, without him, once, once you follow Jesus, you find I cannot live without him, right? Yeah, there's just, there's no way. I'm a wreck without God. I'm a wreck without the teachings, the love, the compassion, and the, the power of Jesus, amen? So this is where we get to our, our next level that we need for uh, understanding and, and you know, um, our development of our spiritual maturity is understanding that God's plan is not just this, okay? This is, I mean, this doesn't look like much. Jesus is awesome, and I'm kind of connected to him, but this is not the house of God. This is not the whole temple, right? This is not the whole totality of the plan of God, these two bricks. So what we need to understand, and this is what Paul is alluding to in Philippians when he's talking about these two ladies and their disagreement, is that we need this. And what's interesting here um, is that these two people generally don't like each other. <laughs> and we find that a lot, right? We, they disagree on things. And neither of them are perfect like Christ, right? But they need each other. And I love that we just happened to be membership Sunday today and we're talking about this. Like, and Justin said, uh, we need them and they need you. And this is what it's alluding to is if God's plan is going to be fulfilled, it's not going to be you doing it alone and me doing it alone and then just all these little plans that we're doing. That's not the way God wants to build his house. All right. God wants to build his house, his kingdom, into an everlasting dominion, and that is going to be given to Christ as his inheritance, right? As Paul said, his goal is that we would be presented to God on the day of judgment, on the day of the Lord, unified and as a pleasing sacrifice to God, that they would be mature, that they would be unified, that they would be about the work of God together. And I feel like this is something that we really need to understand about our place in the body of Christ and our place in all of history, right? The reality is I'm going to live 80 years and God's been about this task since the beginning of time. And we're closer to the end than we, we were yesterday, right? But the plan of God for the earth and for mankind is bigger than just my life. Right? And this is spiritual maturity. This is really important for us to take that next step. I understand me and Jesus, and there's some confusing parts that we're working out, but I know I need to walk with him, and I need to, um, to trust him and have faith in what he's saying. And even when I don't understand, I'm going to obey. Right? We, we get that. But the next step that we need to understand is that God's house does not get built until people begin to build on each other while they are connected 
to Christ, right? So we put two bricks there and it looks like nothing, but this right here, what does this look like? And I would say not much, but it looks like potential. It looks like it's headed in a direction. It looks like it has movement, right? This right here looks like, okay, it's, it's not much, but God's doing something here, right? And I would encourage you to start to look at your life this way, is that you are a piece in a bigger story that's bigger than you. You're a, you're a part of a bigger plan that's bigger than you. And the more people that you can be connected to strongly in the Lord, the more clearly you will see. I didn't want to go out and uh, spend church money to buy a thousand bricks and build a shed. But if I did, you would get the point is that, um, that God is building something in us, but it takes us, right? It does not take just you or just me. So if that's true, so like Paul, Paul knows this is true, and um, so he's seeing a red flag that he's hearing from his model church, and he references that in a letter. And then we get to, to 1 Peter here, and um, we get this truth laid out, so that, that you, know, you are living stones, God is building something in you and in all of us to accomplish his goal. It's way bigger than all of us, right? So if that's true... How do we live, right? And I think that's the question. This is where um, the challenge for growth is, is if this is true, how do we live? The first thing we need to understand is that we have a corporate identity, right? The world right now is obsessed with identity. Look anywhere and obsessed with identity. And I would tell you, Yes, you are your own person with your own personalities and God's doing unique things in your life, but you also need to understand now that you are um, a part of the family of God, you don't just have an individual identity. You have a corporate identity, right? You are us. You are all of us together, right? Um, in other translations, I like the way that it says it, um, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, right? That's, a, that's a, an interesting saying. We don't think of ourselves that way, especially in the West. We don't think of ourselves as um, part of a people group and doing things together as a village or a tribe. Um, we think of ourselves or maybe our, our small family unit, but that's, that's pretty much the extent of that. Maybe our community, if you're a public servant, which we have a lot of those in, in here today. I, but if God's going to fulfill his plan, right, this is how he's choosing to do things. He's choosing to do things um, this way. Us individually connected to Jesus and then making sure we're connected to others. It's bigger than you and I. I, I would even go as far as to say, of it, say it this way. Think of it this way. I don't have a purpose we do, right? And that's kind of a, a, a bold way to say that, but to move away from individually running after God as a lone wolf, I, that's not gonna fulfill God's plan. It's not, right? This is. But this, and God always works like this, right? Where this is harder 
And I think that's where our growth and our challenge is going to come from, is that this is way harder than just me and Jesus doing the best I can to, to follow him. And, you know, he knows my areas of weakness. And so I can, I can pray and ask for forgiveness, but he understands. And, but this right here, then you're dealing with other broken people that are not perfect, right? And then you actually have to change the way you do things so that other people uh, can live with you, <laughs> right? Like there are things about you that other people find annoying, right? And it, it's true, right? It's true about me. Ask my wife. There's a lot of them. And um, this is way harder, right? This is way harder to make amends, to, um, to choose to not let small things, you know, ruin a relationship and separate me from other people, right? Um, you can do that in the world. If you want to live for the world, go do that. Go find people that think exactly like you and have your five friends, and that's that's fine if you want to do that. But if you want to be a part of the work of God that's spanning all eternity and you want your one brick to matter in that whole thing and God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, you fulfilled your role in my temple. This is a brick in a temple, right? This is not a, a, a brick in something meaningless. This is a brick in the temple of God. And if you want to be a part of that, the calling is to be a part of other people's lives as well, right? Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. No more individualism, but a corporate identity in the plans and purposes of God. If we understand this, we will live fighting for unity. Understanding any division we allow is partnering with the destruction of God's plan. This is really, really important, right? We don't think of this very often, but somebody does something that annoys us, or maybe they do it on a regular basis in the church, and, um, and, or maybe their personality and my personality don't get along. And if we allow that, that thing that's, that just very easily happens where all of a sudden I look at you differently, right? Um, I keep myself at a distance, or maybe I just choose to talk bad about you to other people. If we allow that to happen... We are taking bricks out of God's temple, right? And that's a really like sobering reminder. It's why like in our, our membership covenant in, in our growth track book, like one of the things that we talk about is, um, yeah, we don't gossip. That doesn't mean we don't. We are working towards not doing that, right? We all are. We, we, the goal would be um, we're a family and that's not something we do right? Because it does not honor God. It does not build the temple. It takes bricks out of them. It paints other people's perspectives to take down God's temple, right? I would say, don't be surprised if you feel like something's missing in your walk with God, but you look left and right and you are not shoulder to shoulder with other Christians pursuing what God has for you in the region that you live in, right? You just get saved. You need to understand communion with God and you and him and counting on him. And then eventually what will happen is like, man, I feel like I plateaued. Like I'm not learning, I'm not growing. You know, maybe this isn't it. And I would say, if that's you, 
this is what you need to understand and this is your next step. This is the meat, not the milk, right? Is understanding the next step is you seeing the value in all the people of God and working out what it looks like for you to honor and work with them. Just a, a quick story. Um, I remember, so my first ministry job, um, I was single. I was living at the building that I was doing ministry at, like there was an apartment above it. And I didn't have many like close friends in that area. So I was kind of just like doing the job. And then I'd, you know, every other weekend I'd go visit my parents or something like that or hang out with friends in other areas. But like my general life, my weekly life was just me and then my church people and alone throughout the week. And I remember at the time I was like really passionate about, you know, reading church history and just growth and, and all this stuff. And I was in a rich like season of learning and growing. And I remember praying one day, this is so arrogant, but I'm going to say it anyway. So uh, I just remember saying to, to God, like, I don't see anything in my life right now that needs to change and to grow. Like, can you show me, like, because I know I'm supposed to be growing, but man, I feel pretty good, right? <laughs> and I remember the Lord so clearly in a split second said, that's because you have nobody. All your issues would come out if you had people around you. You've isolated yourself from all people. How can your issues come out? It's real easy to be perfect when you don't have anybody to do life with, Right? It's really important that we see the value in each other and that we have a corporate purpose to pursue together, Amen. right? God's plan for the earth is not to build a super big business or, uh, you know, a social media empire. It's to build a family and that family needs unity. And that's how we look different to the world than the world, right? That's where the difference is made. So... Um, we're going to have the, the band come back up, but I'm gonna, I got some challenges for each of us, right? And I would encourage you to, to write these down, to think through what they mean for you in your perspective of other people, the people around you. All right, so our first challenge here today is to make amends and say you're sorry, right? That sounds so, so simple, Make amends and say you're sorry. If you have people in the church that you have had disagreements with, that you do not get along with, you don't like their personality and they don't like yours, we need to understand they are a brick in the wall of God's temple, as am I. There are also things about me that they don't like. I need to be willing to, to hear that argument. But number one, make amends and say you're sorry. This is bigger than your feelings and emotions. I'm not saying, let's not get into what I'm not saying about like, well, what if the situation is abusive or you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about small disagreements that make you slightly not like people in God's church, right? Make amends and say you're sorry. Number two, yeah, we're getting really practical. I hear a lot of laughing over here, so, Okay. Um, I'm sorry, but I did preach this to you directly. No, I'm kidding. Um, number two, guard your heart and your tongue. 
Oh, man. Do not let that thought become your heart position towards somebody. Man, they really made me angry. Like, I do not like them. And then that goes from my mind to my heart, and then out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then I'm speaking death and division over people, and I'm tearing bricks out of God's wall, and he does not like that. <laughs> right? Guard your heart and your tongue. Do not let those things become your heart's position towards people. Number three, find your people and be intentional and seek out the friendships that are building God's house. And I would say um, this, is, this is like probably the core thing that I would say to each of us. If you feel like you are in a season where you need to grow and you've plateaued, it is time to find your people. Okay, we've got life group kickoff coming up in the fall. Um, try a life group, try a serve team. Hang out after service and talk to people. Um, ask God, who are my people? And let him lead you to people. And don't be afraid to start those conversations. You need to find your people. Here's a quote from Chris Valentin. I was reading his book, um, Destined to Win, um, a couple of weeks ago. And um, I, I heard this him say it in a podcast. I went back and read the book. It's just so true. It's true, this is the quote, it's true that each of us has a purpose and a destiny in God, but you can't find your purpose until you found your people because your ultimate purpose is in those people, okay? We need to find out where we're working out our salvation, right? And we're doing that with people. We're doing it in our family. That's our primary place. And after that, the, the people that we do ministry with alongside, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling among other people. Um, another opportunity for that before we get to the rest of these is um, we've created a small discipleship, an easy discipleship model, and it's meant for groups of two to four people. We are gonna have a, we got a sign-up table where you can get one of these and sign up to lead a group, to start one. And I would challenge you, if you know you need your people, take one of these and commit to trying to start um, a discipleship group where you're developing discipleship relationships. Two to four people, you and one other person going after Jesus together, right? You and two or three other people going after Jesus together, right? I think a lot of times we plateau because we don't take that step, that next step of recognizing that we need other people, right? What you'll find is a lot of times the thing that you needed all along, somebody else has an anointing and a gift for that, and it just can get released into your life. Number four, take your spiritual position and growth into your own hands, right? Don't approach your growth passively, right? And we could talk a lot about that, but I would just say um, for us to grow, we need to be intentional in our, in our own growth. I will not get fit by asking you to work out for me, right? I will, like, I wish, yeah, like, that'd be super nice. Um, but that is not the way we grow, Right? It's just not. If I'm going to grow in my walk with God and in my relationships in the church, I'm going to have to be intentional about it. It doesn't happen any other way. 
The last one here, and I think this is the, the, the most important, which comes from this lesson in Philippians and in 1 Peter. Resolve in yourself to fight for unity, right? This, and, and I'll even say it this way, um, that one, that's all of us now. That's gonna be something that defines us as a church. We will be a church that is resolved to fight for unity. It needs to be a core part of who we are as a church, right? Um, if we can do that, Satan's got no chance. There's no, like, there's no way for us to be destroyed because God is more powerful. The only way we get destroyed is if we allow the enemy room into our lives for us to destroy ourselves, right? And so I'd say that one right there, that's for all of us. Resolve in yourself to fight for unity. Have the hard conversation. Go, you were misunderstood. Well, go have that conversation, right? Um, care about people's purpose in building of the temple more than my own feelings or the ways that, that I saw the situation or the way it hurt my feelings. Yep, you can walk out all of that. That's really healthy to walk through conflict and, and get all that stuff done. But in the back of your mind, the foundation of all of that is I'm gonna go resolve this issue because people being unified matters to God and this is how the temple gets built right here. All right, would you, would you stand with me as we uh, get ready to close here? Um, so I would just challenge you today. Take, take these, take a picture of it. If you got to write it down. Um, today is a call to action, a call to action. We need a church that's unified. And I would say God has done an amazing work here, right? But there, there, um, there's a foundational idea here that I would love to see God just birth amazing things out of, right? Um, let's fight for unity. Doesn't that sound amazing? If we could choose to fight for unity and, and anytime conflict comes up, man, you should go to that person because I love it when you guys work together. Instead of, oh yeah, they were, they were like that to me too. I don't really like them, right? Life group kickoff is in the fall and I would say, go find your people there. If you want to start early, if you're feeling a call from God, sign up to start a Trek group. This is so simple. We made this very simple on purpose. It's just a pamphlet that you walk through with a reading plan with one to three other people so that way you guys can know that you're being intentional about your own growth, right? I would challenge you, start that. Pastor Justin will be at the table in the back to chat about it a little bit. Take that next step, all right? And in closing, I would just say, God's goal is that we would be presented to him as a unified family. Each of you have value, but only if you're in the wall of the temple, right? Not isolated and alone doing my own thing with Jesus. This is how we find our purpose right here. So if you've struggled with that, I don't know my purpose. I don't know what I'm supposed to be about. Well, I, the one thing that you should take away from today is you're supposed to be a part of the family of God. That's the next step. You are supposed to be a part of the family, a full member in the family, right? So, all right, we're just gonna pray today. And I would just, I would just challenge you, take a picture of these, take them home, think about them through the week. Let the Lord stir up things in your heart to challenge you to grow.
Jesus, I just pray for our, uh, our family here and our online family. Um, Lord, that you would start to do a new work, that you would till the soil of our hearts, right? And that you would do this new thing in us, that we start to see you have a bigger plan for all of history uh, than just my life and my own issues with people. It's so much bigger than that. You are presenting a bride to Jesus at the end of time. And that bride is going to be holy and blameless and, and beautiful. And she's not going to be divided. Lord, I thank you for the work that you've done in our church now, a work of unity and faith, a, a work where this church has moved forward um, in so many powerful ways in such a short period of time. I praise you, Lord, for that. And I ask, Lord, that, that um, we would be ready to be challenged for the things in our hearts that need to be stirred up. Lord, make us ready for that. Stir up the things in our heart that you want to cleanse. And lastly, Lord, I pray for those who feel isolated and alone in their walk with you. I pray right now for um, divine encounters with people, new friendships, that they would find their people. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we honor you in this place and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.